We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. The Cheers to Comics Podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics Podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is a very, very special Creator Corner. This particular Creator Corner, uh, <laughs> originally going into this, I I, I uh, underestimated the, this particular Creator. And as the, the interview grew closer, I did more and more research and realized that this is a, this is a major deal. This guy's been in the business for a long time, and not necessarily the comic book business, but uh, the uh, entertainment business, going all the way back to um, dating myself here, uh, Major Payne and my wife and kids. So, yeah, Damon Wayne. Yeah, it's a whole fucking cool thing that... Uh, that will all be explained in this interview. Well, who is this interview revolving around, just in case you didn't read the title of the episode? It's Mr. Rodney Barnes. And for that, I am uh, I'm very excited to give you this interview. I had a great time with it. I hope you enjoy. Mr. Rodney Barnes, how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. How about you? Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited to have you have you on this here Skype call and talking talking comics. Uh, like we were just kind of talking about a little little or just a couple seconds ago, I guess before I hit record. I've I've read the second issue of Philadelphia twice now, and uh, it's it's fully on my pull list. So that's that's kind of what brings you on here for sure. That's what caught my eye, and then I started looking at some of your past works and other the, uh, some other things that you've done and realize this is going to be an amazingly interesting podcast. <laughs> good. That's a yes, good thing. yes, absolutely. So um, before we, uh, we, we get into your world of comic books, I, I kind of want to give the, the listeners a little bit of a, well, the, the magnitude of the, the name that you are and just the entertainment industry alone, going way back to uh, <laughs> definitely some of my favorite childhood stuff, Major Pain and My Wife and Kids, you know, your relationship with Damon Waynes and a bunch of other stuff outside of comics. And I feel like that's that's really where you've made your solid footprint in the, the entertainment industry. I'm trying. I'm trying to do my best. Well, you're doing, that's for sure. <laughs> So, um, uh, you know, doing a little bit of research, you're, Damon Wayans is kind of uh, one of the names that really brought you out into uh, into the world of entertainment with a little bit of work on, what was it, Major Pain is kind of where you got started? <clears throat> Major Pain was where I met Damon. Um, I met, I, I was doing, uh, when I was in Howard University, I was working on... Um, a lot of movies and TV shows uh, in the Maryland, D.C. area. And I saw that Major Payne needed a, a set PA. And um, when I got down there, Damon and I hit it off, and he asked me what I wanted to do with my career. Told him I wanted to be a writer, and that was sort of the beginning. Oh, man. 
That, that, that's that's so incredibly interesting. So you went to Howard of all. <laughs> this is you're you're a very educated man, no doubt. You could tell just by the, the 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 quality of work you do. But then to back it up with you know a degree from Howard, that's that's incredible. And then that, of all places, that's kind of what led you to the the meeting with Damon Wayans and. Um, yeah, so we, I mean, uh, yes, we could talk all about all of the, the stuff you did on the screen, but this is a comic book podcast, so I just kind of want to, it starts from there, and then we get kind of more, not necessarily comic booky, but you, you do things more, I would say, more into the, the world of the, the nerd with the boondocks. Yes. And, oh man, uh, w- uh, you won some awards with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. A few. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, now I, I hear rumors and the internet's a, a fickle beast. But um, is are there talks of more, Boondocks? Is, is that yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I believe there's a show that's going to be on HBO Max. Uh, I'm not presently a part of it. There's been some conversation, but um, as oh. this conversation, um, nothing has been, nothing has happened. So. Well, we're gonna Twitter rage about that because <laughs> no need, no need. It's okay. Uh, with when the time is right, if the time is right, I would be happy to, um, you know, resume my contribution to something that was really fun and a big part of um, my resume. Well, the, the, once again giant footprint. Uh, the, the the Boondocks. You know, I, I don't have enough time to watch. Uh, TV anymore. I'm 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 busy reading comics, and I will say that everything that you've done, I've mm-hmm. seen. <laughs> um, so I, I I'm loving the fact that so you did the you know working with Damon Wayans and all that you, you, comedy is you know the the first part, and then you get into the Boondocks. You're doing animated comedy, and this is all stuff that you're a part of the writing team, a production or producer. Uh, how, uh, what level are you playing a part in all of this stuff? And which one? In um, which... Well, I would say. Um, well, let's let's start out with uh, the Boondocks. Well, in the Boondocks, I was um, co-executive producer the first year, I think, and then an executive producer the second and third and fourth years. Gotcha. All right. And writer along the way too. Okay. See, that's that's. To me, that's a, an extremely important credit because the writing on that show is, uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's something that, you know, kept me on. The animation, of course, is uh, in- incredible, but the everything about the show is amazing. The voice acting, all of it, but the writing was, uh, so it's good to know that you did have a part in, in, I did. in, in that. I mean, uh, as much as, you know, again, uh, Aaron Magruder is a brilliant guy and I certainly enjoyed the process of, just being a part of the piece of that that I was a part of. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know the the listeners and the fans do as well because, like I said, it's a that's a huge staple in in animation. It's 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 a future legend for sure. Yeah. Um, so you you obviously know how to make people laugh. You know what projects to 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 back as far as getting a giggle, and then you go off and you do something like American Gods. Mm-hmm. And American Gods to me is, uh, I'm ashamed to say I haven't uh, finished the second season yet because I wanted to binge it. And then I just, once again, I don't have all that time. But from what I saw in the first season, that was probably my most recommended show of the entire year. It was 
I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And it led me to read all of the comics behind it. And mm. uh, it's, oh, man. So I, I got to say kudos to you on American Gods for sure. But, Thank you. But, uh, well, the, the the crazy thing that gets me is realizing that, you know, you, you have the, the first three major credits that I named here, comedy, and then you get American Gods. So this, to mm -hmm. me, is showing just such a versatile portfolio and range of your <clears throat> abilities, man. Well, thank you. Runaways was before that uh, for Marvel. Oh, okay, um, cool. I did, um, I did the second season of Vinyl, and we got canceled before we started shooting. And then I went to Runaways then, and that's what actually got me into comic books. But, but yeah, then it was American Gods. Gotcha. See, uh, well, that that segues perfectly into uh, um, the, the how, what got you into comic books for sure. Because really, we can go, uh, we could do an entire thirty-minute podcast based off all your achievements as someone beyond comic books. I mean, well, we could talk about the Academy Awards and. So many things, the Runaways, but with the Runaways being the thing that got you into comic books, that's that's very interesting to me. So you you haven't always had a background with comics. I've always had a background as far as reading them, loving okay. them, and appreciating them. As far uh, as actually making them, uh, when I was I did the first season of Runaways, and uh, you know got to work with Jeff Loeb, who was one of a hero, um, yeah. and a lot of creative people who were part of the comic book world, but Marvel television is different than Marvel publications. And so I spoke to some of the higher ups in TV and asked them if they could, you know, make a call and just let publishing know that I really would like to be, I'd like to write a comic book. And I didn't know anything about writing comic books at all. And Falcon was my first one. And the first three issues, I think, is an example of not knowing what I was doing. I think there were a couple of things, if you read them, that showed that, you know, maybe there was some promise, but the relationship between the written word and art, you know, I was very wordy. Some people say Philadelphia is wordy, but I think it's a different kind of wordy. Uh, it wasn't as focused as I think Philadelphia is. And it took me at least three issues to figure out my own voice in comics. And I think by the time I got to issue four of Falcon, I sort of got my legs under me and, um, you know, from that point on and doing Quincredible and Lando and now Philadelphia, um, I'm pretty comfortable in the medium. I would say so. And to be, I mean, three issues before finding a voice breaking in, especially with a character like Falcon, who, I mean, the the last run that he was involved in before that, that, that Sam or uh, yeah, Captain America, Sam Wilson run. Mm -hmm. was amazing so i mean you were stepping into very large shoes and then I was. oh absolutely and then coming yeah. in as a a rookie writer and then only taking three issues to at least according to you i thought yeah. it was all perfectly fine i'm oh, a falcon fan i'm reading i'm reading everything falcon that's that's one of my that's my dude i appreciate that but <laughs> for sure. me, like you know in the beginning because you deal with your editors and who were great. My editors were fantastic. But as they're trying to guide me along the way, they're sort of teaching me as well. And I remember Axel Alonso, who was the head of uh, publishing at the time, was like, uh, be prepared to be hated. And this is before I'd done anything. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, you'll see. <laughs> and after that third issue, the people on Twitter that didn't like it, that's when I started saying, oh, that's what he meant. And so I had to get 
had to get used to that thing of um, just because people don't they don't see a person they see a name yes so there's not like they really there's no empathy they just whatever they feel they say and you have to get used to that in a different way like a tv show if people don't like it they just don't watch like they might talk about liking it or not liking it but it's not as personal That's but with right. comic books if you have an artist and a writer those are the two guys that either get the most praise or the most you know uh vitriol and i had to learn what that was and how to emotionally take that because i love comic books like every comic book fan and i would never want to do anything that would be disparaging to the medium. And so as my growing pains were happening along the way, I had to figure out how to not become um, so frozen by criticism, but how to take it. And some of the people who didn't like those first three issues, they actually within their, their dislike of the things that I was doing, mostly in the dialogue, I was writing TV jokes for comic books. That uh -huh. comic world and so they weren't hearing them the way that i was saying because you don't have an actor interpreting you only have your understanding of what the character is or who the character is and so i had to say okay how do i take the legacy that this character has established in the relationship that that character has to the audience and just kind of work with what's already been like you said he was captain america he was this he was that I had to figure out how to um, blend what had already been done in that history with this take, because I was trying to do something completely different. When you think of Falcon, um, like today, the, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, he's mostly a soldier. Yeah. And he operates in that place of, you know, working with S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, fighting. It, it's, a, it's a corner that he has. And my thing was, what if you took him out of that and you made him something different? And, you know, fighting Blackheart and, and going to hell and all of those things. I just really wanted to do something different. And I think, you know, had I had a little bit more experience under my legs, I think the guy today would have been able to um, understand a lot of things that I didn't understand then, then if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. And I, I, I like the idea of something being different because the biggest complaint in comics, or at least modern comics, is it's been done before. Yeah. And so and then now, for someone to complain about something being different, that's, that's just ridiculous to me. And I, I have no problem with any writer out there, whether you're, you're you know, a, a rookie comic book writer or Jonathan Hickman to do a, a, take such a bold step. And I, I mean, I have nothing but respect for that, whether it's received well or not. That's something so few writers and creators have the, the, the goal to want to take on these days. So, uh, yeah, no, once again, uh, absolute respect for, for what you did there and taking that yeah. different turn. Thank you. Um, so... And and then, <laughs> then you go and do Lando. Uh, yes. Admittedly, that was it, it, I'm gonna have to pick it up and trade. I remember when it came out, and I think it just came out on a really heavy week. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I, I I don't pick up a lot of Star Wars books, admittedly, and I think the only ones I pick up are Vader books. But right. I'm a huge fan of uh, oh shoot, uh, uh, 
uh, Glover. Yeah, yes. yeah, and so I mean, uh, with him playing the Lando character and everything, and the cover art and all that, it just screamed my name. So I, re- yes. I can't wait to check out Lando. Um, I mean, you're talking about the editor saying, "Get ready to be hated." You just did a star- so you did a Star Wars I- a Star Wars IP. I don't know why I yeah. said it like well, that. Well, <laughs> here's the thing with that: I actually received less vitriol with Lando because I won't say I went to safe route. I mostly the thing when you're doing a Star Wars book is you have Marvel editors and you also have Lucasfilm editors as well. So you know, oh. there's a lot of oversight. So there's but so much that you can do. Um, or you have to work within certain lines, which gotcha. actually is helpful to me. And there was a tone that I was trying to strike, of uh, the Donald Glover tone, more so than the Billy D. Williams uh, tone. Yes. And the people who liked the Donald Glover version of Lando liked the book. The people who wanted the Billy D. Williams version of Lando didn't like the book. And I think it was more of um, a comedy, a lighthearted thing. I wasn't trying to uh, reinvent the wheel. It was really the, the mission of the book was what was Lando doing like a month before he met Han Solo. <laughs> and so... I made an adventure that was based upon him losing the Falcon and, you know, getting into that card game right when Han walks in. And so for me, it was mostly a um, how can I make it as fun as possible? Um, Not too, too heavy. Um, And I had a great time doing it. And like I said, after coming off of Falcon, um, I learned so much. I learned so much about what I do well, what I need to improve, um, that Lando was a good bridge between that and Quincredible and now Philadelphia. That, uh, like I said, I think if you do anything long enough, you start to get better at it. And Lando was a great bridge to that for me. That, that, that's awesome. Uh, the real, just realizing the premise based off of you know five issues leading up to <laughs> meeting. Yeah. Uh, that that's that sounds incredible. Uh, I don't. I, I am absolutely picking that up. Um. So uh, it's it's it, the the most impressive part about all of that is you you did a Star Wars book and got. I mean, and it was well received. No, no, you could be the greatest Star Wars writer of all time. And mm-hmm. it's still going to get all of the hate oh, yeah. just because, I mean, I don't have to tell you. It's, no, it's Star were, Wars. Yeah, there were people who hated it and they were, oh, silly. It's too, he's too narcissistic. He's too this. That's not my Lando. Um, all the plot. There was three or four guys. I don't like the plot. And this is, an, it, <laughs> you're going to get those people. But by and large, you know, the book sold well. Um People really liked it. People come up to me today and they were like, I really like that Lando book. And, you know, it, again, what's under the desire to do this is a connection to comic books and the comic book community. So, you know, it, you're always trying to do your best. You're taking your mightiest swing to please people when you do this. Well, and, you, you're swinging hard, man, and you're connecting so- because it's it's – uh, I, I, I just based off, like I said, I haven't even read the book yet, and I'm incredibly excited for it, and especially based off of now I know I got a little bit more insight as to who's writing and knowing that it was the same guy that did Falcon and Philadelphia, which is, we're going to, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so the, 
I, I once again all impressive stuff. So you're third now. You're going into the Indies. You started out with Marvel, and you yes. know I'm I'm sure the 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 Runaways had a big part of that for sure. I mean, you're writing a massive hit TV show or uh, producing writing. I producing? did both. I wrote two of episodes <laughs> of season one, and I produced the episodes that I wrote. Excellent. Of course, you're <laughs> you're a beast, man. Um, <laughs> so then uh, then Image finds you. And I did I do a book I did a book for Lionforge called Queen Credible that I'm actually oh. still doing now as well. Uh, Lionforge is a small you know it's a small indie and uh, oh I'm aware know. of Lionforge but for some reason I'm not aware of this book it's called Queen Credible. Yeah, Queen Credible. It's uh it's uh one of the most it's actually something I'm really really proud of. Uh, if you're reading. Gail Simone's Seven Days uh, right now. Uh, that's the Lion Forge event book that they're doing. Okay. Um, he's a prominent figure in that book. Oh, and geez. All right. So there's one arc. I did one arc of it so far. I've actually completed the second arc, but it hasn't been released yet because of the event book. And I'm going to do a third arc of it as well. <laughs> That's amazing. I just I'm gonna add it to the list. So uh, wow, <laughs> your your work uh, in comics goes a little bit deeper than than my research has no. shown. Apparently, <laughs> well, just a little bit, just a little bit. I still right. got a ways to go. Well, I, I'm hoping that this list just is uh, incredibly long by the time it's all said and done because I'm 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 loving it all. Um, you, you obviously are incredibly, I'm going to use the word versatile again with, you know, the, the level of different genres that you're, uh, <laughs> that you're, you're dipping your hand in. Hey, um, it's all story at the end of the day. That it is. But I will say that in my personal opinion, your horse stuff is just, this is, <laughs> there's not enough great horror comics out there. There's plenty of comics that try. But there's yes. very few that are just great. And after two issues now, I think it's... I mean, I want to talk about Philadelphia. This is this is amazing. Like I said, I've read this one twice. And I still got other books this week I've got to read before I... <laughs> yeah. it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And uh, to have Jason Sean Alexander in on this with you... Yes. Is, I mean, that's something else. Well, I'll tell you this. My favorite issue of Philadelphia is issue three, and Jason's favorite is issue four. Oh man, <laughs> that's so, that's selling comics right there, man. Uh, if it, there you go. Whew, whew, oh well. Um, so, Philadelphia. Uh, yes. Does this? I, where does the inspiration from this come from? Are, are you a are you a Philly uh, boy or? No, 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 no. I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. Um, okay. I am. When I was a kid, there was a show, Shack the Night Stalker, that I was a huge fan of. And I used to watch um, a lot of Hammer, uh, the Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing vampire uh, movies and Creature Feature and the Bela Lugosi uh, Dracula. And then I read Salem's Lot as a kid and all the Anne Rice books. And my thing was, like a... From that point on, I wanted to tell a vampire story, but there were so many vampire stories. It was like, how can I be different and still interesting at the same time? And one of my big mistakes when I first started writing comics 
was I was writing from the sensibilities of when I was a comics fan. It was like there was a period in the late 80s that life kind of got in the way. And I was still buying comics, but I wasn't as much, I wasn't as connected as I was um, when earlier. You know, you get to college and career and just life in general and having kids. And, you know, I just fell out of it. And when I reconnected with comics, they had changed. And the stories had changed, the pacing had changed, the audience had changed, everything had changed. I hadn't changed. And so having gone through the experience of Falcon and Lando Incredible, I was like, okay, if I'm going to approach horror, I have to do it from a way that you're not leaning primarily on vampires as your selling tool. Like that can't be the foundation that you're building on. That's just, that's a thing. It has to be a metaphor for another thing. You have to put, there has to be an emotional human component in it that um, that matters just as much as your genre component. And being a big fan of Stephen King, and I actually uh, worked with, I worked on a movie, The Green Mile. Uh, I was Michael oh, wow. Clark Duncan Stan then on that movie. And um, I uh, got an opportunity to talk to Stephen King for a short period of time, and he talked about really the key to um, a lot of his book's success was it wasn't the antagonist. It's not necessarily Pennywise. It's not necessarily, um, you know, Randall Flagg. It's the, the relationship that you have with the protagonist, with the hero. And if that person is real and, you, and relatable and going through some construct of a dynamic like divorce or some insecurity or some, some human dilemma, and then a you death of a father, <laughs> death of a father, um, yes. insecurity, addiction, any of that kind of stuff. Um, you can add in a genre element and make it interesting in a human way, not necessarily from a genre way, because there have been how many vampire books, you know, that have come out and, you know, I can think of 10 or 15 along the way in the past 10, 15 years. And so I didn't want to do what everybody else had done. So my thing was, um, you know, a lot of it is based upon my relationship with my father and my relationship with my son. And um, things that, you know, my father's passed away. And you always ask yourself that question, if I had more time, would our relationship improve? And mm -hmm. immortality being a vampire's, you know, foundation, would give you that opportunity if you could dig your father up and, you know, get more time with him. Would those problems persist or would you be able to heal those wounds? And so that, you know, I look at Philadelphia as um, a three-story line story. Like there's an A, B, and a C story. The A story being the Sangsters, you know, father and son. The B story is John Adams. And the C story is Seesaw. And each of those have, there's an element of my life that I've kind of interjected into each of those storylines. So if they feel personal, you know, that's because they are personal and they all wow. matter to me. And there you go. Well, <laughs> that, that definitely, uh, that explains the inspiration question to a, to a T, good, wow, man, this is, uh, it brings a whole new, 
I mean, anybody reading this book now after listening to this is probably going to go into this feeling just a little bit, a little bit more different. <laughs> I mean, this well, is a, uh, well, man, um, I, I definitely saw the three sides of this for sure. Uh, but to, to uh, hear it from you, how deeply it is related to all of that, the, the, the relationship with the father and the, the what if and, and then going into, I mean, like I said, this John Adams character, he's... Oh, I can't wait to know more about this guy. He's creepy as hell, man. Issue three, <laughs> issue three will tell you everything about John. Because a couple of people have been, oh, my God, John Adams, how could you? He's a president. How could you ever disparage a president? And, you know, you, and I'm like, okay, if I can keep you until issue three. Issue three is the John Adams issue. And the who, the how, the why, the what of John Adams and... You know, the same thing, if you look at issue one as the Sangsters and digging up your dad, when issue two is Seesaw, issue three is John Adams. And anything and everything that you want to know about how American history and John Adams fits into the world of vampires, um, all your questions will be answered. Oh man! <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so good about this because I'm I'm one of the people going how I don't. Yes. But <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, uh, everything around all the houses is just so. Uh, uh, I mean, this is uh, you got to really take your time reading this because there's so much to appreciate. I mean, and on every single level, um, and how how well you you just work with someone like Jason Sean Alexander, man. It's so hard to believe that you're only uh, a few projects in as a comic book writer. It, it feels like you and Jason Sean Alexander have been working together for a while. I well, mean, it just been, meshes so been, well. We've been friends for so long. Uh, okay. Like six, seven years, I think. Uh, Jason, if you're listening to this, you can correct me. Um, he, uh, Jason, from the beginning, I interviewed Jason for an art book. Uh, someone reached out to me and asked me if I would interview him. And because um, of my TV background and his, you know, his being a, a fine artist as well as a comic book artist. And we just kept hanging and we would get together from time to time and have dinner and talk and get on each other's nerves. Mm -hmm. And I pitched the idea to him and he dug it. And then I wrote the proposal and I wrote the first script. And I've loved Jason's art. Like, you know, I'm a huge comic book artist fan. Like most of my 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 fandom as it pertains to artists, the Dave McKeans and uh, John Totalbin and Stephen Bissett from the Swamp Thing era and Miracle Man. Um, you know, but then when I saw Jason's art, it was like so atmospheric and it resonated. And when I look at Philadelphia, I think the thing that really drives the words home is it's so emotional. It's like he does little things with expression and shade and and, and, he, and the colorists and Luis. And it, it's just, uh, it's a great team. And we have another project we're going to do, hopefully in the middle of this year, of 2020. Um, and I so look forward to hopefully keeping this team together for the long run because I love working with Jason. Uh, I love Jason. I love his family. Uh, he's become a really close friend. And I hope, you know, we can keep this train moving. 
Well, I would like to think so, because I mean, to to pull him away from something like Spawn. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. this guy does Spawn, and he does? I mean, it, it's ah, it's so crazy. And more than anything, like I've known him since before doing Spawn. You know, yes. as a fine artist, the dude is always just oh, he's he's just oh, something to look at. That's for sure. And then realizing that he's been doing Spawn. And reading Spawn this year is next level. So when I saw the Jason Sean Alexander next to your name when you know this book was in the previews, I was <laughs> I, I was instantly sold, pre-ordered okay. immediately. And the cover, the variant cover artists, I think have been the Matinas and the, you know uh, all of them have been fantastic. I mean, I was even able to uh, convince Neil Adams to to. And who was my childhood hero? Like as a kid, I loved Neil Adams, and he's doing a cover for uh, issue five. And oh, um, so it's like uh, blessed all the way around. Uh, uh, that's this is incredible. Well, it, it, you deserve all of this this massive artistic talent around this book, man. Because you see, you have the chops to keep up with them as far as giving them the story to draw out and the content to, to throw down, whether it's on covers or on the interiors or whatever. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, flipping through these pages now and, you know, the, you know, kind of spoilers, I guess. But um, in the page where uh, um, uh, the, the, the cop, after yeah. the little, the, the, the girl, what, I'm sorry, what is this character's name? The little girl? The girl Gosh. is Brittany. The girl Brittany, is Brittany, okay. Yeah, Brittany. Who yeah. Is my, in real life, my daughter, Brittany. Oh, man. Oh, I can tell you right now, yeah. she's a badass. <laughs> she is. She is. That, that is Jason's favorite character. Jason feels she's going to be the breakout character. Um, she does a lot of things in the next few issues. Uh, she's going to come back, and she fits in the history in a very unique way as well. Um, so, yeah, he's he's... I think she's on a cover of five as well, but yeah. Oh, man, oh, that's <laughs> that's exciting. Well, the, what, what, the just the level of expression on this, this I don't want to say this poor cop's face, but this, you almost feel sympathetic for him um, as he's he's hanging there and pretty much being, you know, Adams comes up and they're kind of determining what's it going to be, he lays down the choices, but that look of anguish on his face there. It's mm -hmm. beyond that yellow or behind that yellow light that Jason Sean Alexander throws down. I mean, it's uh, that's exactly. I mean, <laughs> these are the things that really drive it all forward. I mean, the the, the, the torment on Seesaw's face after his grandmother dies. Um, oh, it's like man. this. Uh, the thing that he's able to do with expressions to me is it's, it's just like a film director. It's just like a film director, like framing. He's the direct. He's the cinematographer, and he's the director at the same time. And he really, 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 in subtle ways, does some brilliant stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the reflection in the window beyond all of that. It's uh, oh yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I would. I mean, is is this something? That, is that what you draw out for him? Is uh, so? Uh, I mean. We usually have a conversation. I write the script, and before I write the script, I tell him the story, and I tell him what I'm going for, and I usually tell him the next issue, um, what I'm going for there as well, and he sort of gets a feeling, and when he reads the script, it sort of informs what's under the words, and so because we do have, like, on Falcon, I got to meet uh uh, Josh Kassar, um later we met you know after the book had already taken out 
uh, had taken off. But I didn't meet Paolo Villanelli, who did Lando, until like last year after the book oh, was wow. over. And I didn't really have a relationship with the artist in the same way that I have a relationship with Jason. And so, like, Jason and I can get together. He lives a mile away from me. So I can go over his house and we could sit. I could go to his studio. We could sit and talk about, you know, certain things. So it's not just delivering a script to a guy. In some areas, he could say, you know, what do you want here? What are you thinking here? And we can really nail in um, and dial in what we're going for in a really substantive way that I didn't really have that. Well, you could feel that close relationship as a reader, too. You could tell. It's like you guys are brothers and have known each other forever. It's like the Snyder Capullo type of thing. You know, yeah. it just, it's, it's right. It just it meshes together so well. Yeah. So, oh, man, this is, all, I, I cannot I, wait. I attribute it to him. You know, it's like wow. uh, Jason is a genius and as good of a person as he is an artist. Well, that's that's awesome to hear because you know a lot of times that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, he is he is a great human being and a great friend. Oh man, that's oh, that's incredible. Um, so, how far do you plan on going with Philadelphia? Is this a five issue? Well, no, we've got six issues uh, for this first arc, and then we've got um, uh, we've got another arc next year. We got a two month break in between and then um the second arc and then um probably uh the beginning of 21 2021 the third arc we're going to do six issue arcs at a time um until you know the world gets tired of this thing oh that's exciting to hear because you know it's a lot of times these indies, they, they you know, you, you get a, they could be a spectacular five or six issues, but sometimes that's all you get these days. And sometimes, to be fair, that's really all you need. But with something like this, I just feel like there's there's a whole universe getting ready to just be well, thrown. And, and that's exactly, when I looked at the, um, you know, the Anne Rice gothic world of uh, Lestat and Luis and Armand and, you know, uh, Memnock the Devil and all of the, the great characters in that um the Vampire Chronicles world. It's like I wanted to do the same thing, but in an urban setting. And mm -hmm. to where you had all of this and to add more of a political Northeastern feel. Like for her, it's mostly New Orleans, you know, that I've seen. It's a New Orleans-y kind of Southern Gothic thing. And I wanted to make an urban thing that was Northeastern and to make it feel more, uh, more like in a city, more so than... Not to say New Orleans in the city, but you know, cold and hard. Well, and I mean, when you just to have the setting be Philadelphia, which is actually nicknamed Philadelphia because of yes. the, 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 the the terrible the crime rates and violence yeah. and all of yeah. that. So, I mean, and it's, I, it's and a perfect I'd setting. A, and I'd read an article. Uh, this is another part of why Philadelphia too. I'd read an article that there were places in Philadelphia that like the cops don't go. Like in West Philadelphia, you had these uh, these areas that were hit by drugs and crime and, um, you know, just poverty, homelessness, all of the, the ills that hit a lot of our inner cities in America. And it was like, if I was a vampire, I would want to go to places where I wouldn't be disturbed, where I had an unlimited supply of food. Yeah, where they knock out the streetlights at night. And, exactly. You know 
Yes. Oh, this is—it's brilliant. It's like, it's, why it's, not go there instead of, you know, it, the South is cool and New Orleans is cool and and all of that. But it was like I would want to go to one of these places that's really hard hit by crime, so that I could kind of blend in. You know, I could blend in and kind of do my thing. And if I had an agenda, I could actualize that agenda really unmolested because, you know, who's going to stop me? Because they have enough problems going on that they're distracted. The authorities are distracted. And there's this one guy who's like taking up, I know what this is. And <laughs> I can fix it. And of course, he can't fix it per se. But through everything else, he's so good at what he does that he's kind of sniffed out the thing that our lead vampire didn't think anyone would ever sniff out. Oh, man. This, uh, I... I... Just like, I'm sorry, I'm all stumbling over my words. I'm all excited, man. I, I have a knowing that three and four and five. This is going to be an ongoing. Is so exciting for me. This first arc, just that first issue alone, just laid down so much, and it was so promising. And yes, there were some people that said it was wordy, but it was wordy in good places, in all the right places, and the, the way it should be. Because I mean, this is a whole brand new thing. No, I'm so it's it's way too often that we get these number ones where these writers just expect you to know something. Yes, well, and there's another thing too that I found. You know, in a lot of, especially in the big two, uh, Marvel and DC, it's not a whole lot of words. You know, it's like it's mostly art, and every page is sort of kind of like a poster, and it's cool. I dig it, but I wanted to make it more literary. I wanted it to feel like, especially since I'm dealing with American history and I'm dealing with a detective uh, story, I wanted it to feel like a novel as much as a graphic novel. Um, I didn't want to shortchange the information because there's a lot of stuff that if you pay attention, you're going to find and you're going to be rewarded as the series unfolds. And you can't really cut, you can't be skimpy in that area. No, no, not if you want to be someone to lay out a truly unique and groundbreaking award-winning story. Otherwise, it's just, I mean, <laughs> everything else. So, yeah, no, it's I, I find it to be very appreciative. I've known to be critical for super wordy books, but a lot of times I end up reading a lot of words that are just, uh, well, writers flexing their knowledge of the dictionary, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so with this, I, I felt like every single, every single uh, word balloon, every single everything, um, even some of the, the, the more silent, less wordy panels. I mean, it was it, every single page was meaningful and delivered the exactly, exactly the right tone that I want to get out of a vampire book. And I'm somebody, you know, I, I really, the whole vampire thing, and for the same reason you wanted to be so different is the, why I don't do the vampire thing anymore. Vampires mm -hmm. lost their their uh, uh, sparkle <laughs> with yeah. me in the, in, the, in the 90s, you know, right. and it's been so long since we've seen a different side. And to see this more underground side, but not in some crazy uh, super sci-fi type of scenario... Yeah. is it's refreshing and well, it, it should be it should have been right here the whole time and i'm i'm actually i'm glad we waited until you got to team up with jason sean alexander to get it <laughs> you know you. but you. yeah you know this is it, it's incredible and um oh, I, I i can't wait to see what's next with this uh 
like I said, I'm so proud of, uh, again, Jason for what issue three is. It's like it's a walk through American history. And again, if you if you don't like the words, you know, this is probably the wordiest of all of them. I think, and I asked him, I said, do you think I should cut back? He said, I love every word. And he actually threatened me that if I cut the words, he would do bodily harm to me. Um, <laughs> so I didn't cut those words. But issue three, like I said, is a defining moment for the Philadelphia series. And Jason's artwork is beautiful. Not that it's it's exceptional in one and two, but three is every page you could damn near frame and it's another day at the office for him but i look at it and i'm amazed and some of the things that he does are so moving and so beautiful and his ability to capture what's under what's behind adams and his thought process is like really brilliant stuff that i've never seen before and there's some things like you know, uh, again, I'm a huge Alan Moore fan, and Swamp Thing is like the holy grail for me as far as horror comics are concerned. And I think some of the stuff that Jason does is right up there with the best of stuff that I've ever seen. And well, uh, I, I, I would absolutely have to agree with that. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, I, I, I get a Bernie Wrightson vibe, but at the same yes, time, and, very... and I said that name. I actually said, um, and I met Bernie on the Green Mile as well. He actually gave me oh, wow. a um, portfolio. Um, but the cadavers, and when I said, when we're in the uh, morgue, could you do it like Bernie writes and did the cadavers in Frankenstein? And he was able to capture that thing and to make it not like, you know, it's about that, but the way he frames it, it's a it, it grabs your eye without taking away from the story. It's like he has a way of keeping the story moving and adding so much detail to the panel that you go, you know, I want to. It challenges me as a writer. Like there are a couple of things that I did in issue five that um, I'm like, well, shit, if he could do this, maybe he could do this, too. And I keep adding things on to see just because as a fan I want to see him do this. You know, what's his heaven look like? What's his hell look like? What's, you know, those things. So he's incredible. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you there. And, you know, like I, like I continue to say, you guys make an excellent team. So I, I have to ask, what's, what, what's beyond Philadelphia for you and him? Is this well, something we could talk about? Yeah, we've got a, a sci-fi thing, hopefully, like I said, coming this year around the summertime. Um, kind of, um, how can I say, uh, without giving it away. It's um, it's a if War of the Worlds was a love story. Okay. Uh, it's sort of that's about as much as I could say, but um, you know, Jason and I are really jazzed about starting that process um, for that, and hopefully we'll be able to be with Image again. Uh, we'll see. There's no deal yet, but uh. Really excited about getting that off the ground as well. And oh, uh, that's another uh, Alexander Barnes team up. And, um, 
you know, and the, the second arc of Philadelphia next year as well. Uh, that's oh man, that's incredible. Um, does does this thing have a name? Uh, it does, but I can't say. That's why. Okay. Okay. I I, I, I gotta try, man. I gotta yeah, try. <laughs> Jason, Jason would punch me in the liver. He's a he's a wiry guy, and he's a little younger than me. And Jason hurt me if I said the name. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe I could get him on the podcast to say it. That yes, way nobody awesome. gets hurt. There you go. <laughs> right on. Well, either way, I don't care what it's called. Uh, I'm 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 on board. This is my my new favorite team in comics after issue two of Philadelphia. Um, it's it's this is incredible. Uh, you're 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 gonna be a huge name in comics. You're already a huge name in the the film industry and TV and I mean just the the elbows that you've rubbed, the people that you've worked with and impressed. If it wasn't for your level of talent, I mean these these guys just aren't gonna give you a shot because I mean you obviously got some talent and it and it it shows it it really does. So well, this you. this has been amazing. Well, thank you. Um, do you, uh, I know you're a busy, busy man. Do you have anything that you pick up on Wednesdays at all? You still reading anything beyond, uh, you know, the weird thing is even in that period where I wasn't reading, I was still out of habit, like every Wednesday going and buying (laughs) like a hundred bucks worth of books that are sitting in a box now that I haven't read. I did enjoy deceased. Um, Mm. I thought deceased was fun. One of, uh, one of my favorite things I've ever read. It was yeah. it's incredible. I thought Deceased was really good storytelling, and I loved the art, and I just I thought it was a fun ride. Um, what else? Uh, Bitter Root. I thought Bitter Root is really good. Um, I think it's one of the best indie books out there right now. I, I cannot wait for February to the for the Bitter Root boys to get the second arc out there. It yeah. just it, it 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 completely blew me away. I had Chuck Brown on the show just a few weeks ago, and Man, getting to talk to him, he, bitter after bitter, he became a hero of mine. So it was, uh, I can't recommend that book enough. There you go. Uh, what else? Everything else is sort of, um, I probably as soon as we hang up, I'll think of, oh, yeah, I'm reading that too. Um, it's weird <laughs> because, you know, uh, when I'm writing and I just finished writing an episode of TV and um, I start to forget things because I'm focused solely on what I'm doing. Um, but I, I find myself reading more now than ever. I like, um, Brian Hill, uh, his detective comics run. Um, and what else am I reading? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of. Oh, I I put you on the spot. I mean, to get just those amount of titles just goes to show that you're still you're still a Wednesday warrior, man. That's oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's I, when I go to Earth Two Comics in Sherman Oaks, they will tell you that I am a healthy buyer of comic books and supporter of comic books, and my back issue collection takes up. It's weird, man. It's like. Um, when I get bored, I will just buy comic books. It's the weirdest thing. Even if I don't read them, I still have this love of um, what they are. Uh, that, that makes me happy to hear because I feel the same way. I thought I was a freak because that's what I used to do. Uh-huh. Is it, I mean, on a bad day, you know, some people go out and they buy shoes or whatever. No, let me just let me go get an issue of Spawn or something. You yeah. know, just, it doesn't have to be a big day, but, you know. Wednesdays are always big days for me, though. I'm uh, <laughs> so, the, so, but those days beyond Wednesdays are still so satisfying. It makes yeah. you feel so good. 
I took so many quality ass whoopings from people who weren't comic book fans, <laughs> did not understand my love of comic books when I was in elementary school and junior high. It's like, um, you know, and as much as I love to eat, I would take my lunch money and I would buy comic books. It's like mm -hmm. as a little kid up until now, I'm still buying comic books. So I hope they live forever. You know, I know that there was this period where everybody was saying comic books were going to die and they were going to go to digital. And, um, you know, I, I hope that the thing that you can hold in your hand and flip the pages, it's, uh, that's a thing that Jason and I do. He has a printer, like after he does the pages, we actually have like 20 or 30 books made up for ourselves. That's awesome. And we go through and edit the hard comic book before actually sending the, it's like the an ash can. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, man, to be able to get my hands on one of those. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually padding a box right now that is full of issue one, two, three, and part of four uh, that we've had printed. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. It's so cool that you, you guys still have that, that real-life love. And honestly, yes, the, 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 the scare is out there. But to me, the books that are going to keep comic books and print alive are the Philadelphias. That's why I'm so, so adamant about pumping up these indies. And only the ones that deserve it, because if I pump up ones that don't deserve it, that makes the industry look bad. So uh, by no means is this, um, am I just like pumping up everything that comes my way. Philadelphia is, this is huge. This is the next vampire book, is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, really since, what, uh, Snyder's, what, what is it, American Vampire or whatever yes. that book? Yeah, yeah, American Vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is going to be the, the, the thing since, because there hasn't been a thing since. We can't count Buffy, I'm sorry. We can't count Buffy <laughs> the Vampire. <laughs> sorry, Buffy fans. Sorry. Well, I mean, even they know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, no, it's, this is, this, these books are so, so important to keeping the, the the industry alive in print because not a, yeah the big two they have their digital printing services but what was, a lot of people don't realize is you know you get some people to say oh I have no problem you know I need places to store my books anyways but what about the indie books yeah <laughs> you know, because those yeah. those don't have the digital codes in the back that's not a thing exactly so exactly. yeah and we you keep it quality like this man the industry is good so as long as I know you're you're working especially for companies like Image there's hope there's hope <laughs> but um yeah man uh this is this has been an absolute treat and a pleasure rodney i i, I cannot thank you enough for coming on um You're welcome i appreciate your support for philadelphia and i can say on behalf of jason i'm sure he's he appreciates it as well and i hope we keep that standard that you're digging all the way through Right. Well, the momentum's just getting heavier, so I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. And anything you put out from here on out is going to get my cash, man. So you got you Thank got a fan for sure. I appreciate um, it. Thank and you the very Jason Sean Alexander stuff is just a bonus. It's yes, it is. <laughs> it's a big bonus, but yes, it is. Well, yeah, no, it's it's like a CEO bonus, man. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Um, so, do you have any advice for the the young creators out there trying to break out? Do you have anything you want um, you want to tell them? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I would always say is stick to the stuff that you love and keep getting better. I mean, like I said, it was a struggle for me in the beginning, but 
the thing that made me better at it is continually, continuously doing it. Just practice, 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 practice. And eventually you find your voice and you find your style and you find the thing that separates you from all the other guys out there. That's that's wonderfully said. Uh, that, that's amazing. That's <laughs> Well, I, I think there's no better way than to leave it off than that, to be honest. That, that was <laughs> magical. So, um, Mr. Barnes, Mr. Rodney Barnes, it has once again been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Cheers to Comics podcast. This, is, this has been a treat. Happy to and, be here. Thank you. Um, I, 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 I'm hoping maybe once this uh, crazy sci-fi War of the Worlds love story comes out, we could talk about that. Maybe even a second arc of Philadelphia. Who knows? I know you're a busy man. but Definitely will. Definitely will. Right on. Well, thank you so much again, sir. You enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. Uh, cheers. And there you have it. Slurred's another creator corner in the books. I could not be happier with the way that interview with Mr. Rodney Barnes went. The guy's a, a phenom. <laughs> you know, what, what, I, I mean, everything we talked about was just... Ah, uh, he had me so excited. That, that's the thing, is he had me excited. I could sense his real enthusiasm throughout all of this. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. Please go through, check out all of his work. Check out Falcon. Definitely check out Philadelphia. That's for damn sure. And yeah, support these indie creators and ah uh, man, the industry will continue to thrive. So thank you so much for listening in on that. I would like to remind you to support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Patreon.com slash cheers to comics for as little as a dollar you could join the slurred army and uh yeah, see for yourself all the benefits that the <laughs> the Patreon the, the patrons have to offer on the page just patreon.com slash cheers to comics also support the podcast by leaving five star reviews doesn't matter where you listen to the podcast whether it's apple pod chaser uh stitcher Podbean, wherever you can leave comments and feedback please do so and it helps this podcast grow tremendously and much quicker so, thank you once again, Slurds. It's been an absolute pleasure. You read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. What's up, nerds? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast. I would like to invite you to check out our podcast. We have two shows every week, and both of our shows are about everything that is pop culture and nerdum. That's right. We talk about movies. We talk about comics. We talk about video games. We talk about role-playing games. We talk about Dungeons and & Dragons, and so much more. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts just by searching Three Fat Nerds. Also, while you're at it, Go ahead and like our page on Facebook, 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at 3 Fat Nerds Pod. And of course, you can check out our website, 8122productions.com. Most importantly, I hope you enjoy the show. With that being said, there's only one thing left to say. That's later, nerds. <laughs>